I'm sure I don't have to tell you that the climate is changing. Many people are rightly concerned about this and do all kinds of things to be kinder to the environment, like recycle, buy hybrid or electric vehicles, eat less meat. All those actions are great for while you're alive, but did you know that you can also make environmentally friendly choices about your death? On today's show, I talk with Edward Bixby, president of the board of the Green Burial Council. He's also the owner of Destination Destiny Memorials, plus several natural burial grounds, including Steelman Town in New Jersey and the Purissima in California. We discuss the full range of natural burial options, the process of certifying funeral homes, and the future of traditional cemeteries. If you're at all concerned about the environment, I'm sure you'll get a lot out of this episode, so stick around. Hello, and welcome to Dying Kindness, the podcast for people who are going to die someday. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday. Spoiler alert, you will too. So let's all do what we can to make key decisions now in order to be kinder to the people we'll leave behind. That's a dying kindness. Thanks for joining me here today. Big topic in funeral news over the past couple of weeks has been, of course, the death of Queen Elizabeth. The pomp, the ceremony, the strain on the family, the transfer of ongoing business. I think there may be a few things for us to learn from how all that was handled. Not that any of us is going to expect anything so elaborate, but still there are lessons there, and I will explore them in the future. In my personal world, I've been thinking a lot about aging and how to do it well, or at least as well as I can. So I'm starting to dive into research on brain and body health, and I'll tell you what I find. You might not think of that as part of dying kindness, but I can tell you from personal experience that it's wildly different to care for someone who stays active and engaged with the world versus someone who lets their body or mind atrophy through lack of use. So in the future, expect some episodes on healthy aging. I'm about to get into this interview, but first let me remind you that you can get the transcript for this and all shows at dyingkindness.com. While you're there, I think you should sign up for the newsletter. It's filled with more resources and tips than I cover here in the podcast, and I only send it out once or twice a month. Plus, you can unsubscribe anytime, so go sign up. Okay, now on to our main topic for today, natural burials. That's a general term for environmentally conscious burial practices, for burials that are eco-friendly. I'm sure some of you may not really know why there's a need for eco-friendly burial options, Maybe you don't know how burial practices in traditional cemeteries harm the environment, so let me start there. First, I need to say that I'm going to focus on the United States. Much of what I'll cover today applies to the majority of Europe and many other countries around the world, particularly since Hollywood has been spreading these practices through film and TV. Not only that, some U.S. funeral corporations have been expanding overseas. But different cultures have different traditions and it would be impossible for me to cover all that. So for today, I'm focused on how burials are handled in the United States. All that to say is, I know it's not really right to use the word traditional to mean only one style of funeral or burial, but that's the common term here used to distinguish it from a natural burial. So I'll be talking about natural burial as compared to traditional burial. Are you ready for me to stop with a preamble? I am too. Let's start with describing a traditional burial. A traditional cemetery in the United States generally includes 
burial plots that have grave markers. Historically, these grave markers were vertical headstones or monuments made of stone. These days, they're often lying flat, flush with the ground, and made of stone or metal. When someone has a traditional funeral and burial, they're usually embalmed, then placed in a casket for a viewing before the funeral. Caskets are usually made of heavy wood that is polished and has metal handles to make it easier to carry. They are usually padded and lined with satin or velvet, and may include other aesthetic details. After the funeral, the casket is brought to the burial location at the cemetery. To prepare for the burial, the cemetery does more than just dig a hole. For the past hundred or so years, many cemeteries have required the use of burial vaults in order to prevent the ground from collapsing as the grave settles. That's a euphemism for the decomposition process. These vaults are basically strong boxes that line the grave, and they're made of concrete, metal, or plastic. The casket is placed inside the vault, which is then capped before the dirt goes in to fill the rest of the hole. So, yes, it's a box for the box that the body is in. If I were to ask you to imagine a grave, you're very likely to think of a tombstone that stands up. That's certainly what we see in movies and in Halloween displays. But many traditional cemeteries these days are lawn-style, a wide expanse of grass with flat grave markers. The cemetery often maintains these lawns using heavy equipment like riding lawnmowers that can easily keep the grass trimmed over the grave markers which are flush to the ground. Side note that burial vaults have to be strong enough to withstand the weight of this heavy equipment. So that means that the vault walls are pretty thick. Got a picture of traditional burials in your mind? Good. Now let's recap all the things that take a toll on the environment. First, we have embalming. This uses formaldehyde, which is toxic for the environment and for the funeral home workers. Next, we have a casket. Polished wood. Metal. Foam stuffing. Paint. And whatever other doodads. Then we have the vault liner, which is most commonly made of cement. Many articles have been written about the environmental cost of cement, and I'll link to a couple in the show notes. When it's not cement, the vault liner is metal or plastic and is specifically designed to be non-biodegradable or it couldn't do its job. So there's really no eco-friendly option there. Lastly, we have the lawn and all that it takes to create and maintain that. There are some good write-ups on how lawns are destructive to the environment. They're mostly focused on house lawns, but it all applies. And I'll link to those too. And then there are the lawnmowers, which are often gas-powered not to mention the land use concerns of devoting so much space to burial sites. If you're someone who envisions being buried somewhere that your loved ones can visit in the future, and you're also someone who cares about climate change, I'm guessing that by now you might be feeling a little despondent. But keep listening, because there are many ways that you can make choices to reduce the environmental footprint of your death. You can opt out of embalming and ask for refrigeration or direct cremation instead. You can specify a biodegradable casket. You can find a cemetery which doesn't require burial vaults. And, of course, you can work with a funeral director who handles natural burials and choose all kinds of alternatives to the traditional lawn cemetery with a burial vault and all that. There's an entire world of people working on expanding those eco-friendly options, including my guest, Edward Bixby. I first became aware of Ed when I heard about someone converting neglected historical cemeteries into natural burial sites. 
Ed's first venture in this was in 2007 when he acquired Steelman Town Cemetery in southern New Jersey. Since then, Steelman Town Cemetery Company has converted or restored several other sites in California, Pennsylvania, and Oregon with plans for more. He also has a company called Destination Destiny that offers other eco-friendly options like memorial tree planting and memorial reefs. In addition to all this, he's very active with the Green Burial Council and currently serves as the president of the board. So it's safe to say that Ed is deeply involved in natural burials. It's also true that he's really busy, so I caught up with him when he was driving between two of his cemeteries. You know, we're either traveling or we're we're working with families or I'm giving interviews or, or I'm outside working on equipment. I'm a hands-on kind of guy. You never know where you're going to find me. I started by asking him to explain what the Green Burial Council does. Okay, so the Green Burial Council was formed in 2005 by a gentleman named Joe Seahey, and it was created to uh, not only promote what we call natural or eco-friendly burial, but also to create a set of standards that the uh, consumer could look to and the provider could meet those standards. So essentially protect the consumer's rights while representing the best practices. He explained that the original function of the Green Burial Council was to educate professionals in the funeral industry about eco-friendly options and to certify funeral homes and cemeteries. It was entirely focused on the industry side. But after a while, they realized that they also needed to educate the consumers to create a market for these options, or else the industry had no incentive to offer them. So now the council has two main branches, one that's a certification agency and one that focuses on public education. I wanted to know more about what it meant for a funeral home to become green burial certified. To certify a funeral home, you have to offer natural burial to a consumer, meaning unembalmed, no embalming, biodegradable burial containers, refrigeration services, and also carry eco-friendly funeral products for the families so that, you know, you have them on hand if necessary. So it's really not a very difficult process for the funeral director themselves. As long as they can demonstrate those things to us on their general price list, you know, you can become a certified provider. Now, at any time, if you remove those things, you know, we, we would have to remove our certification. But, you know, they're basically saying to the consumer, uh, we're ready, willing, and able when you need our services. The council also certifies companies that make products for the funeral industry. You know, we, they have to go through a pretty stringent testing and, and uh, manufacturer safety data requirements. We need to know that these things are not processed, that they're being, you know, they're not using forced labor. There's all kinds of stuff that goes along with that. And that it's being, you know, that it's a renewable resource and no toxic metals and glues and paints. And if you, can, if you can provide all that scientific information to us and it meets our standards, then we can certify your products as well. I asked him what kind of products he was talking about. Right now, it's typically burial containers. So like, you know, biodegradable pine boxes, paper, banana leaf, bamboo, rattan, you know, anything that would be considered biodegradable. Burial shrouds, you know, made out of muslin cotton or any type of biodegradable hemp or, or, you know, biodegradable, environmentally friendly materials. Uh, there is, believe it or not, 
a certified embalming fluid. And you might say to yourself, well, that sounds kind of crazy because you don't allow embalming fluid. But I will tell you what it is. It's, it's all organic. And the purpose of this is, in the very unfortunate circumstance that a family member cannot be uh, refrigerated or maybe they're not found in a timely fashion, maybe they pass away at home, unfortunately, by health and standard laws, you know, they must be embalmed. This is a 100% biodegradable fluid that basically helps inhibit the decomposition process, but, but only lasts three to five days. And we've actually certified this probably over 10 years ago. And what I always tell people is anyone who wants a natural burial typically does not want to be embalmed. So, you know, that's not, that doesn't even go with what we do. But for the health and safety of the funeral director themselves, because embalming fluid with formaldehyde is extremely toxic and dangerous, it makes all the sense in the world to use an organic-based fluid if, if a family wants that. You know, we want to be able to give them what they want in depth. So if by law they must be embalmed, we ask that that, that product is used. That sounds like a great addition to the list for those reasons. Like a really necessary gap was filled in this. Exactly. These days, many funeral homes offer at least some of these options. The council has an interactive map on their site of GBC certified funeral homes. I'll put a link in the show notes. When we started talking about certifying cemeteries, though, it got more complicated. Cemeteries are, there's three different types of cemeteries. There's the conservation level cemetery, the natural burial ground, and then the hybrid. So to, to give you a better understanding of what that means, a conservation level cemetery is the most stringent requirements, meaning there's all kinds of environmental testing and, and reports that we have to receive. You have to be good stewards. You have to have operation manuals and best practices in place. You have to deed restrict the property, not to allow embalmed bodies and concrete vaults. It's a, it's a very large commitment. Uh, it's a lengthy process. And at the end of the day, if you're a conserva- conservation-level burial ground, you have to either be part of, uh, of an actual conservation agency, being like actually the one-by-one or state agency. Now, the natural burial ground is exactly the same as far as requirements are concerned, testing and reports, but it can be owned by a private individual or a cemetery company. And then the absolute low-hanging fruit, meaning the most potential for this movement to grow lies within the hybrid. The hybrid cemetery is a traditional cemetery that allows natural burial in a, in a specific section and deed restricts that section to protect the rights of the consumer. So that's very easily attainable, the hybrid, for all cemeterians. And it really is the low-hanging fruit, meaning that the more cemeteries that adopt that, the more growth there will be with natural and conservation burials, burial grounds, because there will be more awareness for the, uh, for the consumer. So that means that if you're looking for a cemetery, your choices are expanding. Let's say your family has been buried in a particular cemetery and you would like to be buried there too, but you also want an eco-friendly option. You could call up that cemetery and ask if they have a section there for natural burials. And if they don't, maybe encourage them to consider it. If you want something even more environmentally conscious, search for natural burial grounds and conservation level cemetery. 
Or you can connect with a funeral director who handles natural burials to help you guide your search so you don't have to do it on your own. Ed told me that initially the funeral industry was slow to adopt eco-friendly options, but that things have gotten a lot better since more people are requesting them. We got into a conversation about how ultimately these funeral homes and cemeteries are businesses. They want to do right by the families they serve, and at the same time, they need to make a profit to keep the business going. And they respond to customer demand, just like any other business. The cemetery industry and the funeral industry is kind of funny in the sense that it's not that they're adverse to change. It's just that it takes them a long time to adopt change. And the reason being is they really look for people to ask for the option before they provide it. You know, 15 years ago, people knew about what we did, but they weren't having people ask for it. So they weren't really... 100% behind the concept of championing it and offering it. You know, as time has passed and we've really, you know, first five years we were barely crawling. The next five years we were up and walking. Now we're running. It turns out that for a while, the funeral industry was getting concerned about the trend towards cremation, particularly direct cremation. Direct cremation is the least expensive option, basically skipping everything. No funeral, no casket, no anything. The funeral home picks up the body directly and then later delivers the ashes. In the funeral industry, you're there to serve your families and to do what's right for them. And believe it or not, a big segment of our uh, business are cremation converts. Uh, You would be very surprised to know that, you know, the majority of the people who actually choose natural burial were the same individuals who wanted to be cremated and mainly because they didn't want the fanfare or the expense of a, cre- of a traditional fa- uh, funeral, so cremation made a lot of sense to them. So when they found out that a natural burial was available, you know, it's like amazing. They say, geez, that's what I always wanted. I just didn't know I could have it. And that's yeah. a very good thing for the funeral industry itself, because as we know, flame-based cremation is not very environmentally friendly, and you lose a lot of ceremony, celebration, and memorialization with a cremation. I found it interesting that natural burials have created a new way for them to create rituals and ceremonies to honor someone's passing, while also staying current with larger environmental concerns. To be able to bring uh, people back to their roots to what we've done for a millennia is a wonderful thing not only for the families, but it's a wonderful thing for the funeral provider. Because instead of funeral homes, you know, looking at a very grim future of 100% cremation and no need for the funeral home anymore, they've found new footing, they've found new purpose, they've found new life in natural burial. So it's actually a very exciting time, not only for natural burial and, and the consumer, but for the funeral director as well. Ed encourages everyone to work with a funeral director and says that many find the experience surprisingly wonderful. You know, every funeral director, traditional or natural, serves a a giant purpose for families. I can't stress that enough. I mean, you know, some families can do this on their own, and and they're certainly willing and able to do it. But, you know, in this time of need, to be able to have someone to be able to guide you through this process, it's very, very helpful. Because natural burial is is very family participation-oriented, they're not looking at that funeral director as, you know, that guy in the dark suit waiting for the phone to ring. So... So what I'm saying is it's bringing it back to its roots and people are looking at these people differently. And they're starting to say, hey, that's Bob. And, hey, you know, instead of like, oh, my God, there's a funeral director at the store, 
trying to duck into your car. It's like, hey, Bob, how are you? Because it's a different shared experience now. When Ed described the experience of going through a natural burial, it sounded so different from how we usually think of funerals. You know, imagine this, and I've heard this a million times. Imagine laying your loved one to rest, being able to carry them back to the gravesite, place them on it, lower them down, backfill the grave. You run the gamut of emotions, anger, happiness, sadness, joy. And so cathartic, it washes away the grief, and you have a greater form of acceptance of the loss, but you're celebrating the life that was lived. So you can leave that place saying to yourself, I accept the fact that this person has passed away, and you feel differently about it. In the traditional sense, many times people leave a, a graveside, and the casket still remains on top of the lowering device. And you, you almost feel like that person doesn't belong to you anymore, and you want to you want to turn around and go back, but you can't because it's not part of the process. You know, the, the best advertisement is if you're fortunate enough to be part of one, and who's fortunate to go to a funeral? But... With that being said, the light bulb goes off when you do experience it. And when my families leave that cemetery, they leave with genuine smiles on their faces, not because they're happy, per se. It's that there's a real true sense of relief. To further help your loved ones in the future, Ed strongly suggests arranging all of this in advance for yourself. Well, you know what? This is the thing. And this is really important just so you know and the listeners know. Uh, you really need to know exactly what you want, you know, when you pass on. Because not only are you, you're, you're making sure that you your wishes are met, but you're actually taking care of your family so that they, you know, during this hard time that it's not more stressful than it needs to be. So the main thing people should do is pre-arrange or be sure that people know what their wishes are. His thinking starts with the immediate family and then goes on to legacy and the environment overall. You know, really, really think of your life and how you chose to live your life. Uh, You know, this is the final statement in that life and how you chose to live it. And, you know, to be surrounded by love, life, and laughter in death is a very special thing. And there's no reason that every single cemetery in this country cannot have that feeling. It's just reinventing the way we perceive death. It's better to embrace it. It's far less scary when you do. And I can tell you for a fact with my families in particular that uh, once they feel, like once they visit and they feel the feeling, they feel so much, they, they feel like a relief, like a burden that's lifted on their shoulders. Like they feel really good. So yeah, you know, it's just Be open-minded and and visit your local cemetery and encourage that special place to, uh, to allow what we do, if they don't already. Every day, we hear so much depressing information about climate change. I confess it was wonderful to talk with someone who truly believes in what he's doing and who believes that change is possible. He closed with a message of hope for all of us. Whether or not you are an environmentalist, or you're just someone who likes nature, we, we can all agree we've got to take care, of, take care of our world for future generations, or otherwise, you know, there's not going to be any world to take care of. And the beauty of, of corona was, and as tragic as it was, the beauty of it was that in that short period of time where we had to park our cars and 
and stop, you know, living in this consumption world. You know, the, the earth is an amazing thing. I think a lot of people believed it was too late to make a difference, too late to change things. And in that short period of time, there's a, there was a city in India that hadn't seen MLAs in 30 years because of the smog. It was crystal clear. They could see it again. The earth is remarkable. It can heal itself. It's never too late. You know, the future without natural burial is an unfortunate future, but I don't think we'll go that direction because I think people have woken up to the fact that, you know, you've got to take care of what takes care of you. So if you're someone who cares about the environment, call your local funeral director or your local cemetery and ask them about natural burial options. Help expand everyone's options by increasing the market demand for this. The more the funeral industry knows that people want these options, the more common and easily accessible they'll become. Thank you for joining me today. If you know someone who wants to learn more about natural burials, please send them this episode. Use the share button in your podcast player or just send your friend a link to dyingkindness.com. Thank you to Edward Bixby and to the Green Burial Council for all of the work that they do. Today's music is by Blue Dot Sessions, and everything else was done by me. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday. But hopefully not before there are memorial reef options in places that I love to go scuba diving. Today's death reading is by David H. Wright. If, when I am gone, thou wouldst honor me, then plant a tree. Some highway, bleak and bare, make green with leaves. So radiant and fair, and full of leaves my monument will be, so ever full of tuneful melody. My monument will be a sight most rare, trees planted everywhere. A highway broad from city to the sea, plant this in memory of me.